Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Hello everybody, I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylog. Let's get started. We all know that Adam was God's first creation and how he didn't live up to God's expectations. All humanity is paying that price today. But did you know that God provided Adam 2.0? Today we're going to learn all about that. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the book of Genesis. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That was Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Before attempting to interpret scripture, we apply the space method. SPACE is an acronym we created to remind us to consider the speaker, SP, audience, the letter A, and context, the letter C, of a Bible passage before attempting an explanation, the letter E. Let's use the SPACE method on today's scripture reading. So the speaker is obviously God the Father. God here is being quoted. And as for the writer, it's believed that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, which people also call the Pentateuch, which just means five books, or, as our Hebrew brethren call it, the Torah. As for the audience, the immediate audience is plural here, indicating God the Son and God the Spirit were actually the audience. It says, let us make man in our image. And if you have a red-letter Bible, you'll see that those quotes are, in fact, in red. You know, Andy, when it's just God speaking, the text will be in black in a red-letter Bible. And when it's Jesus or Jesus is present in the, in the, the um, Trinity, it'll be, in, it'll be in red. And maybe there's some other places in the Bible that you can see that. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a true example. If you do have a red-letter Bible at home, whether it be the NASB or some other version, if you jump right to Revelation, the book of Revelation, if you look at chapter 1, you'll see Jesus in the red letter say that he is the Alpha and the Omega, and goes on to speak some more. But if you go towards the very end of the book in Revelation chapter 21, you'll see that the same words are being spoken again, that I am the Alpha and the Omega, but this time it's in black lettering. So just for you guys, you know, kind of like FYI, whenever God is speaking in black lettering or is quoted in black, it's, it's God the Father. And whenever it's in red, it's Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to know for today's study. 
Yeah, and of course, the color of letters isn't definitive or authoritative, but we understand that the people who put together these Bibles have done all the deep study, and we could get into it here if we had more time to explain why that's true. You know, there's one more instance I'd like to remind our listeners at home, and and I think of the time when Jesus got baptized. Right. And it's when Jesus actually is, once he gets dunked and comes out of the water, we see here the reader sees that there's a voice out of heaven that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And if you look at that, you'll see that those letters are in black. Again, it supports that when God the Father is speaking in the Bible, it's, it's usually going to be in black lettering if you have a red letter Bible. Yeah, so no matter what, we see the plurality um, here, let us make man in our image. And, and then, you know, going a little deeper on the audience, obviously, um, the intended audience was Israel, since Moses gave these stories by oral tradition to the Jewish people. And of course, ultimately, the audience is all of God's children, including the engrafted Gentiles, that is the church. Exactly. And now that we're going to the context, this is great because the context today is the story of creation. And that's exactly what we're going to be studying today, because there's some really beautiful points, I think, that most of us might overlook that we need to know. Yeah, we're going to home in on some key details that, I mean, everyone's read the story of the Garden of Eden. We're just going to home in on some details that you may have overlooked or may not have thought about uh, too hard. And, you know, to begin our study, I think we should go back, Andy, and now, now that we're in the explanation part of the space acronym, and recap that story uh, that's in Genesis by reading it and maybe, again, breaking it down, looking at some, some key points. So I'll start um, with Genesis 1, 26, 28, which reads, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. This is repeating what we heard just now from the scripture reading. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, Jordan, so I think what jumps out at me there is the phrase, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And, you know, this is a, a great verse if you ever want to defend that, you know, God, God Almighty is one God. And, you know, like the Jews back during Jesus's day, when Jesus came and said that he was part of the Godhead, you know, one of the reasons why they judged him is because he said that he was God and that, that there is only one God according to Scripture. But here, going back to, you know, we talked about it, the very beginning of the Bible, you know, the, the Pentateuch, we see that Moses in Hebrew, when he had these words written, he was quoting God by saying, let us make man in our image. So we see that even from the very beginning, that there was a plural form of God in heaven. And it's impossible for anybody to ignore that, especially a, a, a Jew that was studying, a Hebraic Jew that was studying back then, you know, especially the Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew exactly what was going on because scripture proved it. And it's just interesting for us to understand that even from the beginning, the Trinity existed. It always did. It, it did back then, and it always will exist. And it, it's key for us to know that that's going to be the building block for today's lesson. Yeah, another thing that jumps out, um, and this is sort of like a minor side point, but it's, you know, let them rule over, and he goes on to list all of creation. So man was given dominion over the animals, and obviously with dominion comes stewardship, right, which is to uh, take care of, of the earth and its inhabitants. But also, you know, there's a lot of um, false teaching out there and, and a sort of perversion of God's plan that says, ah, you know, we're just, uh, we're smart monkeys and we're just part of all of creation. And, right. and, you know, animals are more important than us or whatever. And I think it's important to understand that the rightful order of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, that definitely knocks out the whole 
concept of animal worship, especially right. when Moses was, was at, you know, during those 40 days and 40 nights when he was on Mount Sinai receiving these words with Joshua. And at the time, his brother Aaron was at the bottom in the valley and, you know, making a golden calf. And they were all, you know, walking around and worshiping this calf. And if you ever want to know why the calf, most likely it was because that was a, a symbol of prosperity. If you had calves, if you had you know, animals at the time, it's like having gold bars in the bank because you could have milk, you could have meat, you could have, you know, many things from, from cattle. So um, moving on, another verse that uh, in this section that pops out of me, Jordan, is, is verse 27 that reads, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. So this is pretty straightforward. It says here that God created man, which is Adam, in his own image, okay? Right. And in the image of God, he created him. Now, then there's a semicolon, meaning there's a break. And if you read this as one statement, you're going to get confused. So the next portion says, male and female, he created them. So it doesn't, it doesn't say there specifically that he made it, created them, male and female, in his image. He specifically points out man in his own image. But then in the same sentence, he says, male and female, he created them. So in other words, Adam, Adam being the first man, was physically created in God's image. And then, of course, we know the story. Eve was taken from the rib of Adam, not from the dust, but from the rib of Adam, and slightly modified to fit Adam. And it was created for Adam so that one side of Adam wasn't alone. He needed to have a perfect fit, and that's what Eve was about. So it's just important just to see that looking really closely, you know, with a magnifying glass, Yeah, that you could see the differentiation in, in Scripture. Yeah, like he split Adam or something. You know, it's interesting, if you, if you run it down, uh, in the beginning, Eve didn't even have a name. It was, she was basically referred to as Adam as well. It was like, Adam was a plural, because that was how, that was how, uh, how much Eve was a part of Adam, and how they you know, and of course, we, we can get into the whole thing about what is marriage. And if you go, if you've ever gone through pre-Cana or any pre-marriage stuff, you know, the, the pastor, if he's doing his job, will we'll show you in the Bible that this is the original plan for the two to come sure. together and become one flesh. And that's sort of the reuniting of what, what was separated and, and the, the plan, God's plan for man and yeah. woman. There's no finger pointing here. God planned everything. Right. Everything. God knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows all. So let's move on now to continue our story and to keep it in context. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 25. Verse 7 reads, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Okay, I'm just going to pause there. Let's look at these verses so far, Jordan. What what stands out for you there that we could discuss? Well, verse 9, Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. So that's kind of a key phrase there. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're you're, uh, alluding to here is that Eventually, we know that Adam and Eve were tempted, specifically Eve, and we know that when Satan tempted Eve, one of the ways he tempted her was having her see how beautiful it was, right? How pleasing it was to the sight. 
So it kind of gives us a, an illusion there later on of how today people can often be tempted because of something being beautiful. And it's just a little warning that I think God puts in there for us to be careful with. So um, I'm going to continue picking up in verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Okay, so verses 16 to 18. Anything, out, anything there that jumps out of you, Jordan? Well, first it says the Lord God commanded the man. And then also later on it says God said it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So those two things jump out. Yeah, Jordan. So the Lord God commanded the man. He actually commanded Adam. And he said to him, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. So he commanded Adam to eat from these trees. It was necessary that Adam eat from these trees. And this is an important point because we find out later he never ate from the tree of life. Right. So it's just something important to think about that there was a mistake that happened, but if he would have been obedient to God, the outcome might have been different. So, and then in verse 18, to your point earlier, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So we see there that God is obviously speaking to God the Father, speaking to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, look, man is lonely. We're together. He's alone. It's not good. What is good is that we make him a partner. Yeah, and that also reinforces what we were talking about with the audience, where we initially said there's other people present there in the Godhead, because once again, based on the, the wording of this, you can tell that you know, God wasn't talking to himself. I mean, he was, in a sense, he was talking to the other parts of the Trinity, but it's clear from more verses like that. Okay, so now let's pick up in uh, verse 21. Again, this is Genesis 2. Um, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place, from his side, from his rib, it depends on how you want to translate it. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib, or the piece of his side, which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, woe man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's the marriage verse that I had mentioned earlier. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's the end of verse 25. Yeah, so Jordan, so um, these are amazing verses, and there are a, a few key points that I want our audience to, to look back at and keep in mind. Let's look at verse 21, and that reads, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. So here what we see is God put Adam in a coma. Right. right? It was like the first surgery ever. The induced ever. coma. Yeah. That's right. right. He, he, you know, he caused some surgery here to be done. And then he took one of his ribs. So uh, contrary to popular belief, no men do not have one less rib than women. Um, it would be cool if we did. That would be awesome, right? That'd be something we could say, you see, there is a God. Physical you know? evidence, right? Yeah, there's physical evidence. But God, I think, knew that was going to happen, so he didn't allow it that way. But, you know, this is a special man here. This is the first Adam that we've ever, you know, the first man that God created. So here we see that they were, he was in a deep sleep, and he took that rib out. And it's important because later on, just a little illusion, when Jesus was up on the cross, we know, if you know the story, 
that once he actually yielded up his spirit, that one of the Roman soldiers took a spear and poked it right into the bottom of his ribcage, and it penetrated through that area into his heart. So he was up on hanging from a piece of wood. He was passed on at this point. His body was empty at this point. And imagine a spear going up underneath the ribcage and through the heart. And we know if you read it, you'll see that blood and water was, was what came out, what poured forth. And in typology, that means a lot. It represents the washing of the water of the word and the blood, meaning the sacrifice, the soul. We know that according to Old Testament scriptures, Jordan, that the Bible teaches us that not a bone of his body was broken, right? right. So there could be a possibility, and I think some theologians believe this, that Adam had his rib taken out, and that quite possibly, there's a good possibility that Jesus Christ also was missing that one rib because of the location that it went under, because he did not have that rib broken. So there's a type there, there's a possibility of a type That's there, a connection. It's in, just an interesting side note, and we'll study that at another time. Going on, verse 22, the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib, which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So here we see it's all God's plan. God, remember, we talked about this. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And we know that God created, God felt that it was the right thing to do. He had a plan. So he made wool man and he gave her, physically gave her to Adam. Just something to keep in mind. And then one more, verse 25 there, Jordan. It reads, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So here we see that they were innocent. Right. I believe that Adam knew that he was the male and she was the female, and that there was probably immediate love and care for each other, maybe even to the extent of physical, being that God the Father did mention earlier that they were to populate the earth right. Right, with their offspring. But here we see that the sin was not them mating and having children. Right. That wasn't the sin. We learn what the sin is later. Yeah. But right now at this point, they're both naked. I'm sure they're probably immediately in love with each other. Right. But yet they're not ashamed. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah, because they had no knowledge of what you could possibly do that was wrong with that state of being. But as we see later, as soon as they as soon as sin enters the picture, they immediately know, right? Uh, I, th- I think you're alluding to that, and maybe we'll get into that next. But um, let, let's jump down to um, Genesis 3 and look at verses 22 and 24. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Again, there's that plural, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east end of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So, there's, I mean, there's a lot in there, Andy, but what, what in particular should we be looking at today? I think for, for our lesson, Jordan, it's, I think, the key point that we're trying to bring out together for our listeners is that at this point, you see God the Father is speaking, and he's saying, behold, man has become like one of us, right? Because he ate from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, think about it. Adam became like God at this point. So the only thing that he did not have before this was knowledge, complete knowledge. And at this point, we'd have to assume he did. But there was one thing that I know I talked about it a little bit earlier. We discussed it. But here we see that God is saying, 
hey, we need to get them out of here because if they go and eat from the tree of life, they're never going to die. They're going to know things they shouldn't know. It wasn't part of the plan and they'll never die. So going back to what I said earlier, God commanded them to eat from the tree of life. But yet we know at this point, Adam never did. Because if he would have, then God would have never have said before they eat from the tree of life and never die, let's lock it down and get them out of here. So it's just important to see how God's plan unfolded. This was all part of God's plan. So just important to think that maybe where sin quite possibly might have entered in, where Adam's sin might have actually started, was by his disobedience. Yeah, so to, re- to recap and get sort of the end point of our lesson here, verse 22 is technically telling us that Adam became like the Trinity outside of that one thing of living forever. And now that we've read this, Andy, we can start to see that the Bible is trying to make a connection here between Adam and Jesus, right? For example, and we can see that in the New Testament, if we put Scripture together, put the Old Testament with the New, we see Romans 5, 12 to 14, which says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, and here's the key part, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. Yeah, those are great points, Jordan. Really good, very important. Another question that might arise also is the question, is there any other scriptural support for this? And the answer is yes, again. It's found in two places in the New Testament. The first being found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 to 22, which says, For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And then the second, for instance, is in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49, which reads, So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a a living soul. The last Adam, or second Adam, became a life-giving spirit. And of course, that's speaking of Jesus Christ. In verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. So we see Adam 1.0 and Adam 2.0. And that is our lesson. Before we go, here are a few more ways to get 20-minute Bible studies. You can listen to a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or subscribe to have new lessons automatically delivered to your inbox. When you sign up for email alerts, we'll also send you a link to a special series we did called 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. This eye-opening set of Bible lessons is only available to email subscribers and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. To sign up, just go to 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org. That's the number 20 and the letters mbs followed by .org.
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.